reminder, we're in this series of Exodus, um, and uh, we've seen the Israelite nation. They've been set free from slavery, um, and they're about to go into a really exciting transition in the story of Exodus. Um, so they're going to um, have God with them tangibly as a nation. They'll be actually hear God speak, and God is drawing them nearer and nearer to him. What a good God, hey, that he would draw us towards him. He's doing that in our lives, and this is him doing it in the Israelite, Israelite nation, drawing them uh, towards him. And it's one of these really iconic moments coming up, the Ten Commandments. Pictures at Charlton Heston, I think, wasn't it? Uh, I think that's him anyway, but, but we've got pictures of the, the Ten Commandments as a big, moment in uh, the book of Exodus um, and a lot of people kind of drop off at this point and say well that's all the big stuff done and what follows after in Exodus is a, is a tricky read but actually it's an exciting period because this is what it's like to live as God's children so we don't want to uh, cut out there but let's let's uh, go into our experiment uh, we're going to try something new and get some of our thoughts together as we journey together so in a minute I'm going to ask you a question and that question is going to be available to you through a little piece of software to answer the question. Um, before I give you the, I'm going to give you the question, then I'm going to tell you how to respond using the technology. But um, importantly, this is not a test. Okay, so please don't think we're about to put you through an online exam. Some people are fed up of that already. Um, so we're going to actually ask you the question. You're going to go to a, a tool and you're going to um, um, enter a code. So what I want you to do is find your device and go online uh, and go to www.menti.com so m-e-n-t-i.com so www.menti.com you see it at the top of the screen hopefully now um, and you need to enter a code when you get there uh, if you click on for me Aaron, it'll probably come up on uh, thank you very much there's your code 246977 so I'll give you a minute to do that go to a device Go online, go to menti.com, and you'll enter a code 246977. And there's the question I want to ask you. It's this question you'll see on the screen. In one word, so if you want to get the menti up, Aaron, that'd be good. In one word, without using the word law or laws, how would you describe the Ten Commandments? There you go. So we're seeing it come up, and these are all your words coming together. And the more you say the same word, they grow, but let's see some different words in there. Let's keep going, just keep putting in. We've got 16, 18, loads of you are answering, building up our own word cloud. Keep going, guys. We'll give you all time to do this. And stay in, Menti, by the way. Don't come out of it because there's a second question in a little bit. But I'm going to make some notes while you're bringing all that up. Great, great. 45 of you, that's probably enough. So look, you can see it on the screen now. We've got rules. The main thing that people said was rules. We'll be interested. We'll explore that. Lots of things about guides and guidance. Um, love came up, which is interesting. Still people entering. So we've got, but we've got guidelines, guidance. 
um, and guide. So there's a lot of stuff in there about guide. Promises is interesting. I'll come, I'll come back to that in a while. But rules and instructions seem to be the dominant phrase. And that's interesting. So we'll, we'll come back to that. I'll use that. Rules and instructions are my top two. Okay, now there's going to be a second question come up on the screen. And you're going to see the Ten Commandments listed. And then you're going to rate yourself uh, one, how many of them do you uphold? Now, again, it's, no one's going to see it's anonymized, so don't worry. Uh, this isn't confessional time. We're just going to see how we think we rate ourselves. So, Aaron, if you can bring up the second question for us. So, that should now appear on your device. And you can just uh, decide how many of these do you keep. Uh, obviously, got to give you a minute to rate. Well, we've got a nine. <laughs> right, I need to find out who that is. <laughs> Okay, so this is our average. So no one knows who's who, we're just looking at it and we're building up an average amongst all of us. Everyone have a go answering. No one knows who's answered what, um, but we're seeing how we're doing as a church. So uh, we have to submit this to the government afterwards. I'm only kidding, we don't, we really don't. Keep going, let's have a few more of you. We're at 26 so far. <coughs> all right, we're, we're hitting all dead center. So you can see, if you look at the kind of curves, that's how we're rating. So we've got a lot of us around the middle. A few of us at the upper end, I, I, I congratulate you. Uh, but uh, a few of us right down, you know, admitting we're, we're, we're down the, the bottom end, if we think about it. All right, so feel free to enter. There's about 40, 42 of us so far have answered. Still going up. But we're, we're averaging 5.7 to 5. Point. What a strange way to analyze the... Uh, the Ten Commandments. We're at a 5.7, 5.8. Sounds like we've just entered a skating competition. All right, uh, we'll, we'll close that there. I think that's pretty much everyone that's been answering. 5.8. All right, so we go to uh, my Prezi. Um, so I'll bring these back up and I'll, I'll come back to these as we go through the session this morning. Um, but um, it actually, there's a lot of books. I even posted this on, uh, online the other day. You know, we read lots of books. This is the latest stack uh, as we do these series. And I looked at what the individual um, writers actually describe them as alongside yours. So if you can get my mentee up, I think it's, there we go. So these are the writers. So uh, Alan Cole, he said they, uh, he used the word codes in one of his descriptions. So I think that came up as well. Phil more interestingly, and I like this, he said promises, and I saw that come up on our um, word cloud as well. Alex Mocha, who we uh, read a lot uh, in this series, um, said they were calls, calls to purity. And then you've got uh, Peter Enns, he wrote, um, in fact I haven't got that one even here, Peter Enns, he wrote uh, charters of, a charter of conduct, uh, interestingly. Ronald Clements, uh, collections. Uh, and um, John Stott, uh, one of the commentaries of his, uh, used the word obligations, which is interesting. Uh, and this one here, and this one only really kind of stuck around this word, used the term words. And in fact, all of them use the term words. They describe them as ten words from God. And they use a term, in fact, uh, which is uh, decalogue which uh, comes from uh, a Latin decalogos, or the Greek decalogos, same sound but slightly different spelling. Um, deca meaning ten, and logos meaning divine word. So these are ten divine words 
from God to us. Word as in, you know, you use the term in there, you some of us put instructions. Uh, very hard to summarise, in fact, what it is. But it's, it's God speaking directly to his people uh, in ten words. Um, so not individual words, but as you know, we bring the word on a Sunday. He's saying ten words to his people. Um, so let's look at that. I'm going to break this down into a few things. Uh, my quirky little title is... Um, um, a million, it's called a million reductive memes, or a million memes and two pyramids. So I want to start with uh, a million memes. Uh, and you probably found, I did certainly, that, that first question on Menti is not that easy. Um, when you say, what, it's a commandment, and you're trying to find the word that really summarizes the commandment. Um, reducing things of God down is extremely Tricky, and so it should be, and it's extremely risky. Um, this, we're in a soundbite, meme-driven generation that want to boil things down into great levels of simplicity. Um, and I want to warn us against that way of thinking. I want to bring that up, because the things of God are expansive. They are awesome. I, I often say, don't use that word for anything but God. Awesome surfing waves. No, God is awesome. So things that are expansive, trying to reduce them down, is very difficult. God's Bible, God's, God's revelation to us. We have revelation in the natural world, the, the seeing creation, that's awesome. And we have revelation in the supernatural, in through the Spirit, revealing stuff to us. He's awesome and he's huge. I hope you believe that. He's a, he's a mighty God. The kids meeting this morning, once again singing, Ah, God is a great big God because he just is. Okay, and, and memes and this, this culture of creating memes of kind of pictures with, with thoughts on uh, can be fun. Uh, I've got a few here if you want to make them a bit bigger for us, Aaron. We can see them on screen. <laughs> These are ones about love. Okay. Um, and a meme is an image or a video, it says there, a piece of text that, humorous in nature, copied and spread rapidly around the internet. There's your definition if you didn't know what a meme was. But there you've got love is having some bunny to carry the load. Love is in the air, or is that bacon? Love is getting fat together. Love is, and the bottom one, right one, is just a bunch of words. And they all seem to make some kind of sense. Maybe they're, they're humorous, but, but there's this desire to compress something down. And that creates huge levels of risk. Now, those are fairly harmless, um, but we have to be careful of this habit. Uh, this habit of cramming deep stuff into short pieces, uh, w rather than saying, this is exciting, let me explore it to expand it, not explore it to reduce it. And that's a hard thing, because we love things to be simplified, and there's nothing wrong if it's well summarised, but, but often what we want to do is actually say, I want to go the other direction. I want to kind of use this to see how amazing and big God is. So who would be the trustworthy person? Who would be the one that we would trust in order to tell us what the Ten Commandments are in a summary form? You may think of theologians and, and others you may want to come across. But, um, but that question, there's a hint. When you ask questions like that about the Bible, there's a hint. Uh, all the theologians and LST students, please put your fingers in your ears for a minute. Just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. You've probably got a fair old chance you might be right. Um, okay, unplug your ears, um, LST. Um, 
but, uh, uh, but in this case, if you said the best person to summarize it is Jesus, you'd be right. You'd be right. He, was, he actually did, he was asked the question um, in a slightly different form. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And it's coming from Matthew 2, uh, 20, uh, 35 to 40. If you can bring up my Prezi, Aaron, it should be there for you to read along with me. So uh, this is, this is uh, a lawyer, part of the Pharisee groups and others that were questioning Jesus around the time. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, if you know your commandments, they're not commandments one and two, are they? Because commandments one and two don't read, love the Lord your God and then your neighbor. There's, that comes later. What Jesus was doing is saying, look, this is what it's built on. Firstly, love God, and then love those around you. And so this is my pyramids. We can, yeah, thank you very much. First of two pyramids, in fact. Um, we start with a focus on God. That's what we start with. And then we broaden it out into community. The commandments are structured under two distinct groupings. And that's what Jesus means by, on these two commandments, everything else depends. So it starts with God. So we're going to start looking at the scriptures, we're going to start looking at the commandments together, and we're going to kind of take that view that these are about how we see and think about and speak about and worship God, and therefore how we see, think about, speak about, and treat one another. So to make this a little bit interactive again, I'm putting a lot of pressure on Aaron today, um, over there in the tech corner. Um, I'm going to ask you to type some things in the chat window in a second. This is a pub quiz isn't on this week, so we're going to have to replace it with something. So um, I'm going to show you a picture. And uh, if you want to type in the chat window, you can do it to either Christ first, as we logged in there, Aaron? Yeah. yeah, Christ first, or you can log in, or you can just put it to everyone, I don't mind. Either way around, we just want to see your answers. But with the exception of the uh, fact this is in English, we're going to put a uh, thing on the screen. Sorry, Aaron, giving you a thousand things to do, but uh, we're going to go big screen on this one. With the exception of the fact this is in English, there's one thing definitely wrong with this version of the Ten Commandments, and there's a second thing that people think is probably wrong. So in the chat window, why don't you type what you think is definitely wrong and what a lot of people think is probably wrong. And Aaron will, will read out a few um, if they're legible and uh, okay to read. Yeah, so Peter, Peter said Turn that middle one up, I think. Oh, yeah. Hello, hopefully you can hear me. Uh, someone said numbers. Yeah. Someone's, two people said numbers, Roman numerals, written in English. <laughs> Except for written in English, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the numbers seem to be the, the big thing so okay. far that's come through. I think everyone's jumping on that bandwagon. <laughs> okay, all right. So, one, okay, the numbers aren't there, true, but someone pointed out, Roman numerals. So it's trying to look old, 
Roman numerals were not invented yet. So to put them on the to put them on the next to English as if Roman numerals existed at the time. So yes, numbering and secondary to that, Roman numeral numbering didn't even exist at the time. I think it was a thousand uh, hundred BC was it when Roman numerals came about? I'm not sure, but way after this. The other thing that is probably, many th people think is probably wrong, and this is just interesting to think about, is that they were not split across two, but they were two copies of the same ten. Because that's how contracts and treaties were dealt with. There's one version that is by the king or the, the, the author of the decrees, and there's one copy kept by the people. And so there's many that believe that there are two copies to say this is a, this is a sealing of a, of a contracted arrangement. So that's something that's interesting to explore if you want to. We don't have time to today. But it's very much saying I'm making a, tr a contract and a gr I'm laying out something that we are both going to commit to. I'm going to give you instruction and this is going to be sealed this way that you are used to sealing these types of things, these treaties and these agreements. So um, there's a lot more to that. Not enough time today. But... Um, I want to come back to these two groupings that Jesus mentioned and explore them together. And so going into Exodus 21 to 11, I'm going to read out to you what it says there. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And here they come, the first uh, four. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not take the name of the Lord, in vain, Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, as I said, we, we could be here for ages going through all of this, but um, we can't today. But I just want to bring out the kind of key message that's coming through here. And we will look at these four a little bit, and then we'll kind of explore the others um, uh, a little quicker. But, but it's critical to see the Ten Commandments are preceded by something. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. Therefore, and the Ten Commandments begin. God is declaring his grace towards his people and the ultimate mission he was on which was to to save them and he continues to do that in our lives to save us to deliver us from slavery and set us free hallelujah God's love is for us it is amazing grace towards us that he saved the Israelites from their bondage and today he sent his one and only son to save us from our slavery to sin and the consequences of that sin it's stunning, and we must, and we should want to respond to that. To that level of love would require a response. And our response is to look at those commandments and say, this is God's word to us about what it means to honour him and to love him. Not out of rule, out of love and response to his love. So the first commandment that we read is actually love only him. All other gods are fake. We pre proved that through the plagues. Watch the, the sermon on the plagues if you want about how each god of the Egyptian nation was brought down low. They're all nothing compared to me. Um, the second commandment about do not create images of him. That's don't reduce him down to something small 
Um, so don't make images of him, carved images, try and picture him in some way because that we're trying to make him so that we could handle him, that we could look at him. And there's a big discussion here about art, I haven't got time to go into that. But this idea of create a carved idol, and there's more of that to come by the way later in Exodus. But reducing him to this shape and then worshipping that as something which reduces God down. He's saying, no, I'm, don't try and do that. I'm just too big and mighty and glorious for that kind of reduced down carved image. That's what I believe. The third one about don't use his name in vain. Don't use it. And now, again, in vain. Is that swearing? It's more like recklessly, carelessly, frivolous, frivolously using the name of the Lord. I swear to God I love chocolate. That kind of stuff is, that's, that's because you don't understand who God is, that you would use his name in that context, or, or making oaths that are just fake and false, like even that one, you know, or whatever. I promise to, in the name of, and then you say something about God, and then I'm going to, I'll be there next Tuesday. This is not what God's name is for. Not what God's name is for. And yes, in foul language, in pseudo-swearing, it's, it's not... If you love someone as much as we would love our saving God to use his name as a curse or a, or a, a response to kicking your toe on the corner of the bed, um, I know that's an involuntary action. We might want to leave that one there. But the intentional use of it. We have a rule in our house, um, and anyone who comes and lives with us picks, picks up on it soon enough. There's TV shows that we kind of like, and there's nothing really wrong with them. And at some point, someone says, Jesus Christ's name, but in that way, you know, and they say his name in an offensive, you know, it's just swearing. We always respond in our house with, is Lord. So whenever someone in a film goes, oh, Jesus Christ, is Lord, is what's cried out in our house. Because we don't want his name, his precious name, used in that way. Amen. And the fourth one about the Sabbath rest, again, there's a preach in its own right. Um, keep time for him, because it's for our benefit. Time with him, Sabbath rest, is both for our physical, spiritual and emotional benefit, but time with him that we have said, this is your day, Lord. Uh, and, and there's a whole, you know, is that Sunday, is that a time in the week? You know what, there's enough stuff online you could go, we could chat to us about that. Use re reputable things online to, to study that, don't have time today like I say this is all preachers in their own right but the critical point is that this is a response to a God who is a saving rescuing loving good good father the perfect parent who knows what's best for his children no one knows better uh, than he what's good for us he's the perfect parent in, in my thinking about this which one of these is the good parent which one of these is a good parent? The one that says, go, run around, do what you like, be free, run around, do what you like. Sounds good. And the one who says, watch out, be careful, stay close. You'll think, well, I think I might prefer the first one. Well, again, if you want to get my prezi up, Aaron, that would be very different if this was the picture that came alongside that. This is a real photograph from a dash cam taken in America recently where a guy was driving along and there was a baby crawling across the road. And as you can see, that's a multi-lane road. Now who's the good parent? The one that says, you're in danger. Stay close to me. Watch out. That's the good parent. And when God looks at the dangers of this life and what sin can do to us and what it's like to live a life drifted away from him, he says, no, watch out. Come close. Let me talk to you. These are the things that will keep you well, keep you safe and help you to grow. Amen. Thinking, and also there's, 
this whole thing about his grace and kindness towards us is why and how we are saved. To think the other way around is the cart before the horse. That's what's happening in the Israelite nation. He's saying, I have saved you. And now we're going to work through things together. Not let's work through things together to a point and then I will save you. He's already saved them. And that's true of our lives too. We'll come back to that towards the end. He saves us. And then we start the work called sanctification sometimes by the Spirit. It's just, let me help me work all these things out, Father. Not, but he's a saving God. A saving God. Now that leads me on to the bottom half of my pyramid. Um, and it's about commandments 6 to 10. So these are the remaining um, commandments. So what you're seeing there is, sorry, 5 to 10, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. The numbering system is in brackets because, as many said, there was not numbers on the uh, commandments. But uh, they're read out in verses 12 to 17 of Exodus 20. And they read like this. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder or kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet, thus desire or want, your neighbour's house, wife, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey. But this is the important thing, because everyone thinks, well, I don't have an ox or a donkey or two servants. Oh, well, in that case, read the last bit. Or anything that is your neighbour's. Now, again, we could happily go through all of these in detail, but I will be brief. The sins against God are the vertical. And the sins here we talk about are the horizontal. These are sins against each other. Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbour. That's what Jesus said. Get this right because there's another layer to this, which is you, you, you've got sins against each other. Get that right too. As we saw earlier, we scored a 5.8. A 5.8. I wonder which ones of these you struck off the list. I bet, I bet I hope murder. <laughs> and many others. I hope we were saying, well, no... But actually, we've got to look at them a little bit closer. Because these are all ways we sin against each other. And God says, look, 5.8 out of 10 isn't, isn't like good. 8 out of 10? saying, no, all of these are destructive. They are things that destroy relationships. Therefore, none of these should exist amongst you. Not getting 8 is good, and therefore you might as well feel like you maybe hit the bar. Hey, there was a 9 at the beginning. Love to meet that guy. He must be going straight to heaven. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying these are the things that sin destroys and breaks down relationships. The law was there to reveal that we are all sinful. We sin and fall short of the glory of God in some way, if not many ways. Uh, do not covet. Andy, do not covet. Do not want anything that someone else has. Not, not great in that space, frankly. But it, we'll talk more about, well, thinking it's one thing, but what happens if it turns into more? We need a saviour. My pyramid was split in the middle that was separated. There needs to be something that comes in that brings God into our life with everyone else and helps us to work. We need saving from it, our sin. And then we ask God to help us, help us in this because that is revealing that I've got lots of things that I need to work on. And... Um, Paul says, when we think about the law and we say, well, you know, we've got Jesus now, we don't need the law. You know, we don't need the rules because we're under grace now. That way of thinking is very dangerous because that leads to a lot of that bad relationship stuff when we're saying, oh, because of Jesus Christ, we don't need to, we just ignore it. 
And um, Paul says this in Romans um, 7, 7 to 8. He says, Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet the law if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandments, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. And apart from the law, sin lies dead. He then goes on to describe what it means to, uh, he desired to do the right thing, but often did the wrong thing. And then he rejoices, he rejoices because he says there's no condemnation because of Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he recognises his failings, but he, he joyfully recognises too that there's no condemnation because Jesus Christ has paid the price, but the sin still remains and he wants to deal with it. But he's so thankful that he's not going to pay the price for sin, which is death. The commandments reveal in us these things, these natures of sin that are within us, that they are destructive to one another. So we need to start by getting God at the top of the pyramid, responding to loving him first, worshipping right because we are saved. And then we look to him to how we might live in that new freedom, honouring our families. The, the first commandment after it it's moves on from God to others is honour your mother and father, your family. And then into the broader community, those around you. And that we might avoid the damage that we do to one another. So I want to go on at the end here to my second pyramid. Um, I'll bring it up in a moment. I just want to make a couple of points before we look at that and then we have an opportunity to, to pray a little together. And please don't you know, rush off today. We're going to do prayer a little differently. Hopefully that will bless everyone on the call. Jesus has taken away the consequences of sin for those who believe. But he's not taken away the law. He literally said, I've not come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. The Ten Commandments still reveals in us many things that we want to, that we know causes damage. Uh, we know we need to worship God, but we know they cause damage amongst us as families and communities. Back then in the Ten Commandments, when they broke them and they couldn't keep the law, God would say, put, put sacrifices before me. That's the second half of 20, and there's, I couldn't get into that today, but there was a way to do that that was very much, again, focused on God, not making a beautiful altar and all that stuff. Just, just make your sacrifices. Come to God in repentance. That's how it worked then. And then Jesus comes and he's the, he's the lamb uh, the, for all. He's the lamb of, that ends all other sacrifices. He's the one, the spotless one, the final sacrifice. So we don't need to do that anymore. And so the, the law becomes written in our hearts because it's in us now to say that, well, thank you so much, Jesus, you have saved me, but I still want to respond in, in a way to that love. So you, they say, writes it in our hearts. The consequences of, of Jesus Christ coming and taking away the consequences of sin is not that we might just sin now freely. Oh, well, in that case, we're free to do what we like. No, it's actually saying, oh, I want to respond to that love in a way. And I want to help know these things I need to deal with. And I want to help dealing with them because they are destructive and they cause damage. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus came to save us in our mess speak personally of that truth. God saved the Israelite nation in their mess, but he saved us in our mess. The Ten Commandments are not a way to clean ourselves up, get all these things right, get 10 out of 10, and then we will be clean enough to be saved by God. He says, no, I'll save you knowing fully your sin, and that way you'll respond to that incredible act of amazing grace, 
and you will seek me out and you will worship me first and then you will start to think about how you relate to my children left and right of you in the communities in which you rest which means it's not a way to judge the world sometimes we look at the Ten Commandments and say look at the world should be doing these things if they don't believe in God this list this way of God's word coming out is it's kind of alien some of it will be I don't and, and there was a survey recently and they said in the UK most people said they should abolish the first four commandments they're all right with the other ones, but drop the first four. There was a vote, and they were all the ones about worshipping God. Of course, because without that, you've just got a bunch of rules. But this is different. This is God's grace coming, and then we respond to it. Because the world is lost. They need to know God. They need Jesus Christ to save them from the consequences of their sin first, and then they can react to that and really ask for help in bringing goodness and correction to some of the things they might struggle with. I just want to show my second pyramid and then lead us in a moment of prayer. The second pyramid is this one, and I'm only going to touch this briefly. It is this principle of what it looks like when sin comes into our lives. It starts with thought, it can then move on into words, what you say, and end up in actions. So when often we're thinking about sin, it's not just actions, it's thinking the wrong things, saying the wrong things, and then doing the wrong things. And without going into a lot of detail, if you look at the Ten Commandments, they are structured oh, in that way, how you think about God, how you, what you say about God, and what you do in reaction, response to that. And then it goes back the other way. It goes from what you do to what you say about, you know, speaking false witness about one another, lying about each other, to what you think, the covet-type areas. There are, there are different ways that we sin in thought, in word and in deed. So what you think about people, whether you value them or not, what you think about them can lead to cruel words being said, gossip, nasty texts, harsh criticism, and ultimately, if left unchecked, will lead to, un lead to unkind acts and cruelty. But like a dock leaf that sits next to a stinging nettle, the cure is close at hand. The help is close at hand to deal with that. God said, I will send the Holy Spirit to help you and if you read Paul he often says when I'm struggling with all this the spirit helps me through these things that I might overcome them and so God sends the helper and the spirit can help turn these things around thinking of God first and his love for you his grace towards you asking for help to think kindly of others and extend to them the grace that has been extended to you lavishly speaking words of praise to God he's a worthy God and asking for help to speak kindly to others if we have a short fuse gently to one another calming the tongue and the thumbs acts deeds God's love resulted in action his action was that he sent his one and only son to come to earth to save us took our sins upon the cross God's love ended up in action it's good to speak kindly, but action speaks louder than words. Ask the Spirit to help you step out in acts of kindness.